Well, here we are, another Monday morning, except I'm pre-recording this because I have to be away on Monday. That said, it'll be here for you, Lord willing. Going to start a new part to our Who Told You series. Most religions have a way that they worship, and they're pretty particular about it. Roman Catholic, uh, the various Orthodox Catholic churches, uh, they have their own ways of doing things, and so do Protestants, and so do churches that call themselves non-denominational. They have their ways, and they get very particular about them. And if you were to come in and move things about, they would not be very happy at all. Now, I don't happen to think that there's anything wrong with choosing a way to worship that really speaks to your heart and is a gift to God. That's entirely fine. But it's whenever you start saying, if you don't worship God this way, then God won't accept your worship and he does not like you. That's when it becomes a problem. So to get there, it may take us two or three weeks to get to the real big payoff here because we don't want to spend too much time on the Monday mornings. You've got things to do, right? It's Monday morning. But I want to start with something which is going to sound so odd and bizarre and unbelievable to many of you that you are going to have a hard time thinking it's real. So I invite you to investigate. Here's the story. The islands of Papua New Guinea, the, the, those areas around New Guinea, they were in the Stone Age when suddenly, out of nowhere, appeared massive ships made of metal. It was World War II, uh, and a year or two leading up to, and a year or two after. And all of a sudden, these people who had never seen anything like it, for the first time in their history, even in their mythology, they saw furniture, prepared food, clothing pre-made, they saw health care, they saw roads, they saw machines flying in the sky. They saw so many, they saw people communicating with radios and this was all mind blowing. I think back if you, if you're old enough to the, the late 1970s and close encounters of the third kind, but you'd really have to go well beyond even that much because it wasn't something hanging in the sky. It was something which came in and adjusted your life and made your life so much more beautiful and wonderful than it had ever been before. It was just staggeringly beautiful for them. They were so excited. Now, war brings its own things and there were um, actions in World War II that affected New Guinea. We're not discounting those. We're just talking here about the benefits which to the people of New Guinea were immense. So much so that after World War II, their new friends went away and they wanted them back, but they didn't know how to get them back. These people were, were, were shocked and now you know, how do we get, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're Japanese, American, British, or Dutch. How do we get the gods? Because to them, that's exactly what had happened, was the gods had finally paid attention to all their prayers and sacrifices and their rituals and such, and had rewarded them with heaven. How do we get them back? Well, 
they decided they these were our gods. We must have done something which made them want to come to us. What was it? And so they began what are known today as cargo cults. That's not what they call them. This is just an outgrowth of their religion where they wanted to, to bring all these gods back in by recreating motions. There must have been some magic set of motions. So they would build desk out of sticks and then they would put things on top of the desk and they would move things around and then go down to the harbor to see if the ships came back because they had watched these people sitting at desk, moving things around, every now and then lifting up something up to their, their ear and their mouth. And then the next thing you know, cargo, food, medicine, clothing, building material, everything they could have ever wanted showed up. They, they wanted it back. So they'd move things on the desk. They built approximations of airplanes out of sticks and waddle and twine. They would point the, the airplanes different directions. They would move them in different ways. They would have sticks over their shoulder and they would march, trying to find the right pattern of marching that would bring their gods back to them. Um, by the way, this, this has continued. You can think Gilligan's Island on steroids when you think of all the stuff they made to try to bring back the gods. There are in fact, several denominations of cargo cults. Why? Because it, it didn't work. And since it didn't work, we must be doing it wrong. So we're going to do it this way. The people that were doing it this way, we're going, no, 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 you don't change it. It may be, maybe they're just a day away from seeing everything we're doing and loving it, loving it, loving it, and deciding to come. And now you're breaking away and you're doing something completely different. Well, the people over here would be saying, well, your, yours was not working, and so we want to try it this way. And so even on the island of uh, Tana uh, and, and, and Micronesia, um, well, I'm sorry, and the nation of Vanatu, uh, Vanatu, there are three denominations on that one island. Uh, there's the John Frum cult. Frum is F-R-U-M, if you're looking this up. Uh, it's never been adequately sourced where John Frum comes from. It is thought that maybe somebody was named John and they asked, you know, who are you? And the guy said, I'm John from, and that, that stuck. It, it's hard, it's hard to know. But they would pray through John from to, to bring the ships back, rather like some uh, Christian faiths pray through saints to get certain things done for them or certain protections for them. There was also on that same island, the Tom Navy cult, uh, and that is thought to have come from some guy named Tom that was in the Navy. But again, there, there was nobody presenting themselves as a god. They're just trying to grab syllables and make sense out of something which seemed to them to be very supernatural. There's also the Prince Philip cult because Queen Elizabeth's hubby showed up once and they seemed, they seemed to be quite the important individual. And all of the other people who had this, these magical powers of medicine, clothing, reading, and the like, they showed deference to this one. So Prince Philip must be greater. And they've continued to denominate even through all of this, uh, the years since. There's the Yali cargo cult on Papua, uh, shares lands with other cargo cult denominations just as a uh, um, Paliao movement, the Pele Association, uh, the Pamio Kuang, all of, I, I'm sorry, Kivang, 
there are so many of these and the reason is it's it's not really working and so they split and then they become their own denomination of cargo cult but they're all they all have this similar thing where you must move in a particular way and you must speak in a certain way and you and we're going to keep doing these things because if we do the right movements then we will get the gods to love us and they will come back with their beautiful ships and airplanes there is more than a little bit of this in many christian denominations in my late cousin's classic book handbook of denominations in the united states um, frank s mead was his name m-e-a-d he passed away some time ago but a committee still updates the book from time to time it, it literally listed every denomination known at that time and of course each edition gets bigger and it talks about the origins and why they were set up, um, their official publishing houses, universities, um, school or ministry trainings, all of that stuff's in there. And I make myself read the new edition every time it comes out. And I said, make, it's not a big, it's, it's not a burden. It's fascinating, but it's also heartbreaking in that so many of them, and I haven't done a count, I'm not going to claim the majority, but so many of them, Make it a point of saying, we're starting because none of these other churches are doing it right. So we have to do it right. We have to restore something, whether it's a form of New Testament worship or a form of New Testament holiness or a form of New Testament uh, belief about the Holy Spirit, perhaps, or um, about New Testament gifts that we find there, miraculous gifts, or any of these. Organization, we got to get this right and that'll make God very happy. Now, during the uh, 18th and especially the 19th century, the early 19th century in the United States, there were many groups that believed they had to set up a kingdom on earth so that God would see that we had finally got it and he would come back. These were millennial groups. And even in the, the religious tribe in which I was raised, one of its founders, Alexander Campbell, had a paper, and his paper was called The Millennial Harbinger, because he truly believed that if we finally got to where we, had, we established the New Testament religion and its, its doctrine and its practice and the way that it worshipped, then God would be pleased and he would return to earth. Sounds kind of familiar if you're a native of New Guinea. It's almost like a magic act that if we do everything exactly right, then a rabbit comes out of the hat. If we go to worship and everything we do is exactly right, then God will be pleased and we get salvation. There is, um, there is so much wrong about this, and yet we're told it, and we believe it because smart, good people told us. And I wanna, once again, stress, smart, good people. These aren't evil people. These aren't people in the closet going, ah, this will help us control the little ones. No, they truly believe that this has to be done in exactly the right way to where for, for the longest period of time, uh, you, know, you could not touch the wafer when a, if a Catholic priest were to hand it to you and place it on your tongue because it's the body of Christ and you could mishandle it. And people, if you think it's literally the body of Christ, and to, the, to drop it or touch it with unclean hands or something would uh, offend Christ, 
That makes all the sense in the world then, to where you don't touch it, you let the priest do it. But who told them that? And who told them that? And who told them that? And keep going. And all of a sudden you run into a big wall and you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. At least we should have the right to rethink. You might rethink, study and rethink and study and rethink, and then come right back to the same conclusion. That's absolutely possible. But the exercise is worthwhile so that you can know why you believe what you believe. There were divisions in my own religious tribe we talked about when we did the two-parter on the Lord's Supper about whether you used one cup for the wine or whether you could use individual cups or whether you uh, broke the bread before you prayed or broke the bread after you prayed. There were, um, what if you used wine? Uh, to be honest, I don't know anybody in our particular tribe that used wine, but that was a division uh, that has occurred in other uh, religious tribes. And I, when I say religious tribe, by the way, that's not an insult. Any group of people that consider themselves family based upon something other than blood is a, is a tribe. And sociologically, you're a tribe. I'm a member of several tribes that way, all right? And so are you. Divisions then grow more and more official whenever we think God likes this music or God likes this music. He wants everything to be a Hillsong celebration with with 32 musicians and laser lights and, and, and fog machines, and you need to repeat the chorus about 100 times. Or he needs it to be a Gaither concert where it's all Southern gospel, uh, or he needs it to be all a cappella, or he needs it to be very high chant, uh, uh, high church, very Gregorian chanty, perhaps, or with just with an organ, or you get the point. We tend to do things, perhaps not aware that we are actually tuning into our own preferences and then say, this is of God and it must be done in exactly this way or God will not be pleased. In our, uh, in our segment of My Religious Tribe, we couldn't sing the uh, some songs because the songs were not according to what we were told, technically true. For example, we couldn't sing, let us, let, have a, uh, let us have a little talk with Jesus, because that doesn't make it right. You also have to be baptized and repent, and you have to worship correctly, and you have to, so that song wasn't correct. Or we couldn't sing Jesus is coming soon, because we had no information that would lead us to say soon. Um, that we couldn't sing, tell me the old, old story that talked about, tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth because the Bible doesn't say sang, it said said, so we couldn't say that. Uh, we couldn't say hedden, H-E-A-V-N, that poets and songwriters put in there because heaven wouldn't fit with the, um, the meter of the song, but we would sing heaven even though it blew the meter because we had no right to shorten the name of God's home. And again, Where'd we get this idea that God needs to be worshipped in a particular way? Now, if right now you're going, Cain and Abel, Nadab and Abihu, we'll get there. And right now, if you're saying, who's Nadab and Abihu, more will be explained, but not today, because we've already hit the 15 minutes. But I want you to think about something. What is the difference between us and the cargo cults? 
you might think, well, because we're right and they're not. Well, they think they're right and you're not. So what are we gonna do? Is your, is your religion nothing more than a magic act that you have to get it perfect? And then you get the rabbit? I'll put it another way. And then we'll pick it up from here next week. Lord willing. I've been married to the beautiful Miss Cammy for a long time. Well over 40 years now. And I agree with you. Not long enough. Uh, I, plan, I plan to hang on to that girl. And she plans to hang on to me. But what if I went to her and said, all right, somehow, some way, I won your favor. Can you tell me exactly what I did, when I did it, how I did it, which way I was facing, what I was wearing? What was the timbre of my voice? Was, was my hair cut the same as it? I want to know exactly. And then I can go down the list every day and make sure I, I copy that. And at the end of every day, I will have won your heart. That's stupid. That's not the way relationships work. Relationships are a dance or given or taken, things change. And it's okay because you said for better or worse, rich or poor, you, you change, it's all right. <coughs> Sorry, tickled myself there for a minute. In our dance with God, have we turned it into a must-do list? And that if we do it all, and we do it all perfectly, then we're okay. And if you're thinking I'm overblowing this, think about this. The big split between the Roman Catholic Church and all of the Catholic churches of the East, the Orthodox Catholic churches, which are massive and very diverse. Uh, and I say East, but that would include North Africa. I mean, it's, it's so much of the world. The big split came in 1034 because they disagreed whether the Holy Spirit came through the Father only or also the Son. That, that was enough to destroy homes, fellowships, ministries. People died over that. We got we to gotta start asking questions. Who told you that? And who told them that? And who told them that? Until we get back to find, figuring out what does Jesus really want of us? And I bet it's not going to be moving around bits of paper and marching in a certain way and saying certain words in a certain way on a certain day in a certain place. I have a feeling religion's going to be something different than that. We'll talk more about this next time. I hope you have a blessed week. Please stay in touch with us at OurSafeHarbor.com. And if you have any prayer concerns, send us an email at prayer at OurSafeHarbor.com and we'll get right on it. God bless.